Hi, my name is Ben Armstrong. Hi, this is David Koch. My name is Thomas Maurer. Hi, I'm Donna Sarkar. Hi, my name is Lana Montgomery. Hi, I'm Seth Juarez. Hi, I'm Aaron Thomas. I'm Jess Dodson. Hi, I'm Rocky Heckman. Hi, I'm Sonia Cup. Hi, I'm Troy Hunt. Hello, this is Wally Mee. My name is Reed Purvis. Hi, I'm Lars Clean. Hi, my name is Alan Birchall. Hi, I'm Adam Fowler. Hi, I'm Scott Guthrie, and you're listening to the Need to Know Podcast. All the latest Microsoft Cloud news, as well as industry guest deep dive conversations. It's a Need to Know Podcast. All thanks to the CIA Ops patron community. The Need to Know Podcast. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook. N2K Podcast. And online at ciaops.podbean.com. Welcome along to the Need to Know Podcast. My name is Robert Crane and you join us for episode 296. We are in February 2023. So once again, thank you very much for taking the time to listen. If you do want to reach out to me after the fact, you can direct at ciaops.com. Also on the YouTube have plenty of resources there, plus a video version of this podcast will be available at youtube.com forward slash at director CIA. You can reach out to me on the socials, so probably the best one is there on Twitter. You'll find me at Director CIA there on uh, the Twitters. Now, because Twitter has been going through some ups and downs and challenges, I'm also on Mastodon. You'll find that at twit.social forward slash at Director CIA. Now, I encourage everybody to sign up to my team's shared channel. There is a link that allows you to uh, follow through the steps you'll need to configure at your end so I can do that. No cost to do that. Uh, post information, updates and so on, conversations in there. Also a good way to get a feel for uh, how the concept of a Teams shared channel works. The biggest advantage of the Teams shared channel is it doesn't uh, means that you don't have to do the tenant switching when you do swap to another tenant. It just appears as a, another channel down the bottom of your list. So very handy. So don't forget the old merch store if you do want to make a statement at your next conference. Uh, and I want to encourage everybody who is keen to take a step towards the next level of getting involved in a Microsoft 365 and Azure-focused community. Uh, you'll find that at ciaopspatron.com. And again, thanks to all the patrons out there who basically allow me to uh, do these sort of contributions to the community as well. I got to pay the bills and those guys have really, guys and girls have really stepped in, uh, help and allow me to do that. So I certainly encourage, but if you want a way to support myself, the podcast and the number of other uh, trainings that I provide, uh, please have a look at ciaopspatron.com. Now, um, before we kick on and have a look at all the resources by going past the extra slide there. So the first one here from Microsoft is a really interesting, <coughs> excuse me, blog post called 2023 Identity Security Trends and Solutions. Now the reality is going to be that uh, all of these links will be in the show notes for you to go and view later. So uh, again, just be mindful of that. Now, if we scroll down here, and get the uh, information that Microsoft has provided a really good blog post worthwhile you reading. Uh, but what I look really like here in the article uh, here, and I'll read it out uh, basically verbatim, um, it says only 28% of users in the last month had any multi-factor authentication sessions. So that's 28% of users connecting or using Azure AD had any form of multi-factor authentication. All right, so it really is absolutely amazing in this day and age with all the information, all the security, 
all the breaches that we see and yet we still have <clears throat> only 28% of people um, or of logins actually using probably the item that is going to reduce that risk dramatically next to or almost to zero. So again, such a huge percentage um, are still not using MFI on the account, just absolutely, totally unbelievable to me. So uh, please, 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 on all your accounts out there, make sure you do set up uh, multi-factor uh, authentication. So this article here from Microsoft again will take you through you know some of the latest learnings Microsoft's had around things like MFA attacks, uh, spray attacks, um, authentication, token replay, um, you know all that sort of stuff is in there really worthwhile listening and also working out what Microsoft is doing to uh, improve the security uh, in those environments. Now the next one that I found here, which I think is uh, worthwhile having a look at is seamless application access and lifestyle management for multi-tenant Azure AD organizations. Now it's a rather long blog post here, but uh, it talks about a new feature Microsoft has uh, enabled recently called the cross-tenant synchronization. So this is gonna allow you to synchronize users uh, between tenants, probably more for the larger organizations, I agree, but uh, we do see a lot of requests for users in one tenant to also appear in another tenant. So this cross-tenant synchronization is um, now available. The article here will show you all the information that you need to and how to set it up. Very much in the same sort of area and context as what you need to do with our Teams uh, share channels. So you'll find it in the same area in Azure. So again, go in and have a look. And if you do need the capability, uh, I think it's worthwhile uh, investment. Again, go in, have a look at it. It's the Azure level. Uh, and the details there and the links will be in the show notes. Now, New Year, New Year's resolutions, everybody wants to probably make the best impact. We're looking at uh, an environment where there are going to be more economic challenges. We're probably going to see rising employment, rising unemployment and you know, demand for IT skills increasing. So Microsoft has given us an article here on skilling up Microsoft security compliance and identity and a bit of a recap here. So. The thing here that I think is the most important is this cloud skills challenge. I'll come to that in a second. So that's at the top of the article there. They talk about the um, you know the training that's available in Purview and so on. But the idea here is if we go to the um, cloud skills challenge, basically what you can do is you can sign up to this and you'll have 30 days to work through the appropriate Microsoft Learn modules where they will, uh, on the completion of that, so once you complete that, they will give you a free exam uh, voucher to go and uh, complete an exam certification exam. So I've signed up because it's gonna give uh, access or gonna give the opportunity to do the Information Protection Administration um, certificate, all right, so, or certification. So again, uh, the idea is you need to go in, log in to the Microsoft Learn with a Microsoft Identity, sign up to that, and then basically work through the standard modules uh, that form part of the learning for uh, that certification exam. At the end of that, if you complete that within 30 days, you'll get that exam voucher sent to you, go and sit the exam and put a certification under your belt. So I highly recommend going and ha having a look at that. Again, I'll make sure the link to that is in the show notes. Now this was sent to me, the next one here was sent to me by Alyssa, so thank you very much for that. This is from the Admin Droid blog, so it talks about the end of support milestones in Microsoft 365. 
which is a very handy thing to put that in a nice uh, graphic here. So you can scroll through the article here and the next one probably on the radar here is video, Visio Services is being retired uh, in Feb uh, on Feb the 10th, Feb the 14th, i.e. 11 desktop applications and so on. So if you want to know what's happening and when the technologies are being deprecated uh, when it comes to Microsoft 365, it's a really good uh, article here to go and have a look at. There is a lot happening or being deprecated in this 12 months. Uh, so certainly go through and work uh, through that. Make sure that you are aware of all these changes. So good little article there. Thank you very much to the listener for submitting that. Uh, we'll add that to the show notes as always. Now, another one that I did actually find very recently is this new Microsoft Intune troubleshooting uh, experience. So you basically go to Endpoint Manager, so endpoint.microsoft.com. You go down typically to the bottom option on the menu called Troubleshooting uh, on in that portal, and you'll find a preview here to help you troubleshoot. Now, again, they've really worked, uh, I suppose, some magic here. They've got a lot of additional options, a lot of granularity, a lot of... Uh, a lot more graphical than what we've come to expect with the Intune module. So you can certainly dive in there. You can filter uh, by the user, by their policies, uh, and so on. Uh, the blog post is quite extensive on all the features that are available. Um, you know, all the things like app lifecycle groups, uh, and so on is listed in here. So if you are having challenges with Intune, and you probably will be when it comes to clashing policy or clashing settings or settings that don't apply, again, remember that you now have this enhanced troubleshooting a capability that is built into the console. So all you've got to do is simply go in and select that option from the menu on the left-hand side and then work through typically by selecting a user and then drilling in uh, further from there. Now, the good thing is, is that, again, down the bottom here, Microsoft is talking about the improvements it's going to make. So it's going to uh, be able to look at policies uh, and apps for only targeted device groups, capability to search for an individual device, display app protection logs for iOS in the Diagnostics tab and basically on and on and on. So again, if you are using Engine, if you are managing uh, devices, it's always been a challenge to really dig into that sometimes when it comes to Intune, Intune very enterprisey style uh, interface traditionally. So good to see that Microsoft has added these enhanced cap capabilities um, to Intune. So go in and have a look at that. Now, speaking of Intune, I did a blog post and a video um, in the week between podcasts on what the new remote help option looks like <clears throat> in Intune. So the concept here is that when you set up your users, you're able to select an option for a device to actually go and give uh, remote help or whatever. Now, there is the interesting thing about this is there is an additional license cost to do this. So the Intune remote help requires a license for the person who is receiving help and also the person giving it. So you need two licenses there. Uh, I think around five or so Australian dollars. So it is a bit of a premium, I think. And the video that I did here will show you the differences between, for example, the standard free quick help that comes with Windows and this new Intune remote help. Now, I suppose the biggest advantages of the Intune remote help are largely uh, first compliance around you have to have a um, company login to Azure AD to do that. You authenticate to Azure AD with the normal things like MFA and so on, the tracking audibility and so on. And then you also get the audibility basically of um, the, the tracking, the auditing, the compliance, so you know who's logged in and the sessions that are active. But when it comes to the actual nuts and bolts here, uh, really the only value or the only additional option that 
uh, engine remote help gives you is the ability to overcome the UAC. So when there's a UAC uh, request for escalation of privileges, uh, then basically that's not available in Quick Help. So in Quick Help, the standard free version, the user would need to type an administrator password and log in, which is not a good thing. Uh, we can get that screen view when we use the Intune Remote Health. So that's the major technical difference. But have a look at the video, read the article uh, that I wrote there. Again, the link will be in the show notes. So another item from here from Microsoft is combating risky sign-ins with Azure Active Directory. Uh, remember that some of the risky sign-in stuff does require Azure AD P2, so keep that in mind. I uh, certainly recommend that people who are monitoring environments do look at enabling Azure AD P2 for themselves at least, but it's a good article here. We also get some uh, KQL queries which we can run in our environments to go and do queries looking for uh, risky sign-ins and so on. So good uh, set of information there that the, the blog post uh, has. I recommend you go and check it out if you want to you know, have a look at the sign-ins or look at risky sign-ins that are happening with uh, Azure AD. Now, lastly, uh, basically from Microsoft uh, Teams, Premium has now become generally available. So it's an interesting one once again. So some of the features that we did have in Teams that were included have now been moved into this Teams Premium feature and a number of additional ones have been added. Now, the important thing to remember with Teams Premium is you don't need to have Teams Premium for every member of the organization, but you may need one or two people who need those features that you can just add that in. So for example, in my environment, I really need or really like the capabilities for some of the webinar enhancements they've made. So the ability to do watermarking of videos, to have a green room, uh, to have better you know, user engagement during a meeting, uh, meeting reminders, all that sort of stuff is a value add that I think is worthwhile for Teams Premium. But People, when I run a meeting using Teams Premium with my license, the people consuming that, whether in my organization or anonymous, don't need to have Teams Premium to view that. So that's the important thing to remember here. I think there are some great features. They're not needed by every single person under the sun, uh, but maybe one or two licenses inside a tenant does make sense. So again, go and have a look at the, the features that Microsoft has made available. A little video here, you can go and have a look and show people who may be interested in those uh, feature sets. So once again, um, lots of updates. We expect that to continue to grow as Microsoft comes back online and we're moving uh, into the year now. So expect more and more information. Uh, to basically be uh, coming along there. Now, before I get into the editorial, we're gonna talk about the Microsoft uh, Sentinel side of the case and why it's such an important thing. I will take the opportunity in the mid here to thank people for, uh, again, listening to this episode. I'm happy to announce that we I did manage to cross the 100,000 listener or download barrier. I really appreciate that. Only taking me 10 years to achieve that. So let's hope the uh, journey to 200,000 is uh, a bit shorter. So again, thank you to everybody for taking the time to listen and spread the word. So I super appreciate that. So let us talk about Sentinel. So Sentinel is an Azure service. So that's the first thing to remember. It's not part of Microsoft 365. You need to add it and configure it using the Azure portal. So another difference is the billing. So the billing is done on consumption. It's not a flat fee uh, per month. We'll talk about some of the billing a bit a bit further in, but it is an Azure service, so the billing and the location of setting it up is uh, in a different location. So I'll make sure that the Microsoft article here uh, that introduces Sentinel is available to you in the show notes, but I thought it'd be much better if I just go and talk around uh, what we see out there. So 
Uh, the idea is you log into the Azure portal and you can do a search for uh, Sentinel uh, up the top there or just click the icon. Now, it's really easy to set up. Basically, Sentinel is an analysis tool which sits over what's called a log analytics workspace. That's where all the data lives. So think of the workspace as where all the, the data lives. Now, the good thing with Sentinel is you can also do multi-tenant. So you can have multiple tenants monitoring and so on uh, with a Sentinel, but we'll talk about just a single tenant. Now, when you go and set up Sentinel, the first step in the process will be to go and connect your data connector. So it needs to pull in data or have data sent to it to read and analyze. Now, another important thing to remember here with Sentinel is that it is a read-only service. So if you set up data connectors feeding data into uh, Sentinel, it's not changing any data, it's not doing anything in the source, it's a read-only concept. So basically think of it like log shipping. So to me, there's no reason not to go and set it up, even in the most basic environment or the most basic settings. It really provides so much uh, value. So the idea is, is you go through the list of pre-provided data connectors. Now, obviously, there's a large amount of Microsoft ones in there. So things like Azure AD, um, Azure Activity, Microsoft 365, Exchange Online. But when you have a look in the data connectors, you'll notice there are also lots of third-party connectors there. So things like BlackBerry, Cisco, um, you know, all of that, Fortinet, all of that is there. So you can set up those data connectors. Now, when you set up a data connector, you basically follow through a bit of a wizard uh, to authenticate that and to provide the logs or suck the logs uh, into Sentinel. So once you've done that, um, all the logs or the logs that you've set up from the data connectors begin to populate into this large uh, database, the workspace underneath Sentinel. And then the next step is to go and set up what's called analytics rules. So analytics rules, in essence, are simply queries that run across the data that it has been ingested using the data connectors. And you know, Microsoft will give you quite a number of uh, templates. So I think there's you know a couple of hundred there, there's 10 pages or so of analytics. So when you select a, a you know, a analytic rule here on the right hand side, you'll find that this is basically the query. So this is using KQL. Now the analytics rules will run that query on a scheduled basis and potentially generate alerts or information that you need to go in and pay attention. Now, there's a lot of configuration in there. You can throttle them, you can determine actions that they take, automation actions and so on. But the idea is to go in and set up the analytics rules that make sense to you. Now, firstly, the important thing to remember when it comes to costing is that running analytics rules is basically running a query you know, on a VM uh, for a very short period of time. So there are some costs, obviously, doing these analytics rules. So the more you have, the more uh, expensive it will have. So I have something like 350 so rules running on a regular basis. Now, that to me is huge value because I then don't have to go in and analyze those logs at an extremely low level. But you can control uh, how many uh, firstly, data connectors you set up, and then it's all also how many activity, um, how many uh, analytics rules that you run across that data. And the idea is you start small and then generally uh, scroll up from there. Now, once you have your data connectors and analytics rules in place, looking for instance, looking across your data, you will find that in a summary 
uh, regularly in the area here called incidents and you get a nice overview I suppose uh, in the front page here which will give you uh, how many incidents and you know data that's been ingested and so on in there so nice graphical interface there but when you find an incident you can uh, select it from a list here so I'm going to select uh, one of the ones I do have on my screen at the moment which is a failed uh, sign in here now down in the bottom right uh, right hand corner we've got the ability to go in and view the full details now in the full details you'll find for example the ability to understand you know what entities this happened on so was it a user was it a device what ip address where did the request come from uh, so you do get a huge amount of data here now some of these could be multi-stage attacks so you might get multiple information here uh, you can drill into uh, any of these and get you know, more information you can go and look at the activity logs so you can actually look at you know how these logs and when these logs uh, or these incidents will happen you can add comments so if you're working with a team of people you can add information for others to follow you can also set tasks uh, and so on now importantly what we can do in here is we can go in in this case I'm just going to close it and I'm going to designate it as a true positive I can put a comment in there and that will close out uh, that incident for me so you can go in and you can manually view these incidents incidents take action uh, and so on now what we can also do if you scroll down a bit is there is also the ability to use automation so not only is sentinel a seam right so is an event management or investigation style module is also what's called a source so an orchestration and automation so we can now go in and set automation rules around these incidents now you can also obviously take action on incidents that uh, are top of mind but what i find automation really good for is to close those low priority ones that are generated so for example um, I have an alert set up and an and, you know, it does an analytics across the data and it finds out anybody who accesses the environment with an out-of-date browser. Now that's not so important as to have to be dealt with every single time, but I do want the data captured so I can do you know, aggregated analysis. But what I actually now want to do is I want to create an automation rule to basically close that out. So I know what it is, I understand it's a low priority, I'm just capturing the data so I can use it in some of the analytics that I want to use. But when it comes to actually viewing it, I really want it closed ASAP uh, so it doesn't cause uh, information overload. So you can use the automation rule to do that. I have lots of automation rules to close out low priority alerts typically. Now in automation, we can also scale that up and use a playbook. So that's like that's using logic apps, which is very much like Power Automate. They're really handy. Now one of the ones I've been playing with is the ability to add additional information using chat GPT into an incident. So when an incident occurs, it triggers a playbook. Playbook then sends the appropriate information out to chat GPT using an API, it comes back and then adds that additional detail into the incident so that uh, the investigator can go in and basically get more information and use the leverage, the capabilities that chat GPT may provide. So that's an example of where you can start using the next level up when it comes to uh, automation. Now in here we also have something called workbooks. So workbooks basically, again, we've got a number of templates, but the workbooks basically give us a Power BI style uh, dashboard that we can go in and have a look at results. We can do queries and whatever. So I'm just gonna have a quick look at the Exchange Online one here. So these are all interactive um, and we can go in here and let's go in and set 
We want to see all the activities and maybe we bump this down to the last maybe let's make it 48 hours and you'll see that the you know the graphics the information update regularly we can look at you know pie charts bar, bar charts we can click any of these these are all all the items here are active we can drill in and get uh, more information we can edit this workbook we can use this uh, workbook as the basis for our own custom workbooks uh, if we want so really really powerful in its capability and its customization you can start with the microsoft templates and then uh, build basically from there now we've also got the ability to do ad hoc hunting so you can take all the queries uh, that are there and you can run these uh, individually you can also select them all and run every single query that's very very powerful so in this case i've got 186 queries that i could use i could select them all and run them in my environment it will then do you know an on-demand um, query of all the data and give me any results that i need to look at it's a very handy the other way that we can do it is actually go into the low level logging and create and use our own kql queries Microsoft once again gives us a range of queries that and templates that we can use to get started. Um, and again, you know, a couple of those articles that I spoke of earlier in the news section, they have queries in them that will work in this environment. So you copy and paste those, put these into uh, the logs area in Sentinel and that will spit out data. You can take that data, export it or start creating a workbook or you know, your own graphical uh, results from there. So very, very handy. Now we can also save our data um, or our configuration up down using GitHub so we can push and pull from GitHub so that is available. We've also got a growing community uh, of people so my advice is you know you never uh, reinvent the wheel always look to see what other people have done first use their queries use their configuration. There's some really good add-ons in there that you can um, you know that other people have built that you can use to enhance your environment your environment especially things around conditional access i found to be very very handy as well so look at those in the community area now just a quick word on the pricing so let's drill down into the settings okay so we go and uh, look uh, you'll see here that you can reserve a certain amount of space per day i'm a pay as you go tier right so i'm only paying as as we go and i can see the data ingestion and so on now if i go into the workspace settings over here this is the underlying where the data lives that Sentinel then works on. And in that area, you will find a usage and estimates cost on the left-hand side. So you'll see here that we've got our pricing tiers. Now, if I open up the tier that I'm on, pay as you go, um, I'll let you know that, again, in the last 30 days or 31 days, I've ingested in this environment that I'm looking at 51 uh, point, sorry, half a gigabyte of data. And that total price for the month has been a total of um, four dollars and 59 cents Australian so obviously that's going to vary depending on the amount of data and the different sources that you ingest from but this is a fairly basic environment with using mo mostly Microsoft connectors and typically they are available for free so most data ingested from Microsoft services is free there are some that do have a cost like Azure AD sign-in logs but if you're using things like Defender for Business or Defender for Endpoint, all the data ingested from those sources, again, on devices is generally free. So the advice is start with the basic connectors. Microsoft lists those out uh, under the Azure information page as to what you can get basically ingested for free. There would be a cost to do analytics um, on that data, but again, it's very, very small um, generally on that and uh, then there's also a storage cost if you go over the included data storage out of the box you will get uh, 90 days of data storage 
for um, included in the environment. So again, real, real advantage because many things like the Azure AD logs only actually have a 30 days maximum of log retention. So you want somewhere to ship the logs. Azure Sentinel makes a really good option because it will hold logs for free by default for 90 days. And then if you want, you can pay for additional uh, storage to go up to whatever period of time. So you want to keep them for 180 days, which is the recommendation from things like the Essential 8. Uh, you can then send them from Sentinel quite easy with a button press into uh, blob storage and recover them and so on. So I think it's a really good option for having A, all the logs in one place, in one uh, workspace, having the ability to query them and also the ability to store them over an extended period of time because unfortunately not all logs, or not all services in Microsoft store logs for the same amount of period uh, as well and that depends on the license but if we push them all to Sentinel we can extend Sentinel to suit whatever you want so again the example here is in a basic environment that I've set up um, you know it's costing me five dollars a month to monitor the environment here and if I go back to the overview let's have a look oh sorry let's go in and let's go back to Sentinel and you'll see that uh, basically what are we getting here the numbers when it comes back up and refreshes the page hopefully will give me um, you'll see here that you know we're ingesting you know a fair amount of uh, data um, per day. So it looks as though well, that's thread analytics. Oh, it doesn't show me anymore exactly how much data, but typically when I'm ingesting you know 100,000, 200,000 individual log items per day, and that then equates to the ingestion costs. And remember, some of that is free and included, and that is then what analysis, what the analysis analytics runs across that data to analyze it and tell you whether you've got any alerts, uh, incidents are generated. And remember when the incidents are uh, generated, then you can actually do automations on it as well. So there's lots and lots in um, Microsoft Sentinel here that I encourage you to uh, take a look at. I really think it's probably one of the key tools for monitoring uh, even in ESMB space. It's just a no-brainer to me. You start out small, set it up and grow it as you need it. Um, and you can customize it to suit whatever you need. But as an overarching monitoring tool, uh, I think nothing beats it. And really, that's where all the logs from, you know, Intune, uh, Endpoint Manager, Devi um, uh, Defender, um, everything should go in there, Exchange and so on. So you've got one place where it lives. You can analyze it. You can save it as needed. Now, I have got a free YouTube video up there that gives you a bit better uh, introduction to Sentinel. And I'll put that in the show notes. I encourage you to go and have a look at that, do a bit of a deep dive. And also there is a online uh, course that I've created. So getting started with uh, Azure Sentinel, only $99. I'll put that link in the show notes if you want to get into that as well. So certainly advise you if you are serious about security, monitoring all this stuff and you have limited resources, put the power of the machine, the AI, the analytics, the queries uh, into practice. Use those, that's going to reduce the amount of manually going through logs. Uh, and I use Sentinel each and every day. It's the first thing I generally check when I log into my machine to see if there's any incidents in there that I need to go and uh, action or address or spend more time on. And remember, you can do it across multiple tenants as well. All right, so enough of Azure Sentinel there and the news and the updates. What I'll give you is the you know last page here on the resources. Don't forget to go and have a look at my blog, do regular stuff on there. Like I said, trying to do a uh, video in between these podcast episodes. So sort of a podcast every other week and a video every other week at least. So go in and have a look at those. Don't forget all the scripts and stuff I have uh, on GitHub, uh, github.com forward slash director CIA. 
um, and also Sentinel can be manipulated and worked with using uh, PowerShell as well. So there are some scripts up there for that. Uh, don't forget my YouTube channel. So the big challenge I'd like to get to this year is, you know, at least 10,000 subscribers, a little bit ways to go there. So again, please subscribe to the channel, let other people know, let me know what sort of videos and training you'd like to see. Um, SlideShare is where all my slides, information decks, uh, white papers and so go. Obviously, listening to the podcast, thank you very much. Again, mention that we're, I have crossed the 100,000 downloads, which is fantastic. Really enjoy that. Uh, really thankful for the support. So keep that up. Let other people know uh, if they may um, get benefit from it. They should tune in. Don't forget my online courses at ciapsacademy.com and the community at ciapspatron.com. Remember, you can always reach out to me via a number of different me mechanisms uh, on the Twitter, emails, uh, and so on. So please feel free to do that. So once again, I will let you know that all the resources will be in the show notes for this episode. Don't feel free to ask me any questions directly. And again, take this opportunity to thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Need to Know podcast. You have been listening to the Need to Know podcast from CIA Ops. For training on using technologies like SharePoint Online or Microsoft 365, visit www.ciaopsacademy.com. By purchasing from the selections available, you'll be directly supporting this podcast. To provide feedback on this episode, visit www.ciaops.com contact.